Hi, it's Chris Meyer, and you're listening to the Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. The Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. Okay, welcome back to the latest episode of the Sports Coaching Podcast, Season 5. Um, a couple of weeks since our first episode, we had uh, Matthew Raybard on last week talking about leadership in coaching practice. Really good episode. Make sure you go and listen if you haven't already. Uh, but back again, another American guest. Great to be connecting with so many uh, coaches across the pond, as we say over here. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome uh, Chris Meyer. Chris, I hope I said the surname correctly, by the way. I know we've just had an off-air chat. I'm terrible for pronunciations. Uh, but Chris, great to have you on to the podcast. How are you? How are you? How are you doing? I'm doing well, Sam. Thank you for having me. It's uh, it's good to be uh, on this podcast. I, I believe this might be my first European one, so I'm really excited. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Well, it's always good to be the first for something, eh? <laughs> so that's exactly. And uh, Chris, whereabouts are you currently based? Where are you speaking, talking to us today from? So I am speaking from uh, Sacramento, California. Um, my life is already, I was uh, grown up in New York, suburb New York, about 35 miles north of New York City. Spent uh, many years in Los Angeles, and I have settled with my family. I have three sons and a wonderful wife uh, in Sacramento, California, the state's capital, Northern California. Fantastic. I bet the weather's lovely. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it's always nice in California. Yeah, I wish I could say the same. <laughs> and uh, yeah, brilliant. Great, great to have you on. Uh, I guess uh, we always sort of introduce the guests on the podcast, obviously, for the, for those that haven't come across you, Chris, and uh, you know your journey and who you are if you wouldn't just mind just giving us a bit of an introduction to yourself uh your coaching background your sport where that's sort of led you to where you are today that would be fantastic yeah i think you know my, my coaching journey really started from when i was a child being coached by not my father um my father was a businessman and he uh he worked and i uh i was taught by a couple of great men for sure uh they had a profound impact on my life I knew from a very early age that they were taking time out of their lives, you know, coming, uh, changing in their car, uh, coming to teach us fundamentals a couple hours a week. And it really had a profound impact on me as a child. And, and no one really told me, Sam, hey, you know, respect these guys. It was just inherent. You could tell even as a child, uh, the respect that I just initially had because I saw what they were doing. Yeah. And I saw them coming out in their T-shirts and shorts, and and uh, it meant a lot to me. And uh, I was uh, I, I was a good athlete as a kid. I played baseball, basketball, and football, American football. And um, I just knew those men were uh, instrumental in making me a, a better player. But also, uh, they took the time to make me a better human being, and and uh, that was my journey. I it it, it came full circle for me when I had children. And, uh, you know, I stopped my, you know, professional career, so to speak. It wasn't professional at all. It was, you know, street ball or something like that. Um, but I, having my first son, I have three. And when I had my first one, I, I almost couldn't wait for him to get involved in whatever it was that he liked. So that, that's kind of my, my, uh, my uh, journey into coaching. And now I, I coach my three sons. Um, in all their sports, uh, mostly basketball and uh, American football out here. Fantastic. Well, certainly, uh, certainly an interesting journey. And I think the first thing I picked up on was, uh, you know, you mentioned your three coaches there and, um, you know, talking about making you a better human being. So we, we would, I guess, call it over here, talking about life skills, personal development, uh, something I always probably felt was lost in coaching, particularly when I was uh, coming through as a swimmer and a, and a soccer player when I was younger. Uh, but interested to hear a bit more about, about those three coaches and, you know, what was it about them that I guess clearly meant so much to you, um, you know, as a, as a youth player? Yeah, you know, I think it's caring, right? I think it's it goes back to that basic tenet of human kindness, of human connection, of looking you in the eye. These were rec league coaches, not nothing, in, you know, just in the town organization. And they just cared about you, right? You could see when they looked into your eyes and they told you how to do something. They had a smile on their face and there was something very human about it. And, um, you know, a couple of guys 
their sons were on my team, they were classmates of mine. And you just formed that affinity for them because they, 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 you know, you knew they cared, they, they cared beyond the sport. And I, I think we all knew at a very early age that we weren't going to be professional athletes, but sport, as you know, very well is just such a huge part of, should be a part of a lot of children's lives because it gets them, it teaches them those life skills that being part of something, there are things that are bigger than just you. How do you perform on a team are all unique skill sets coming together and um, the, the biggest thing for me was that eye connection with the coaches and you could listen to their uh, speech and their genuine caring for you. So that's what had the most profound impact on me when we talk life skills. Brilliant. Fantastic. Re really good to hear because, you, you know, you, for me, some of those stories are sort of so rare uh, where you, you sort of feel such a almost like a bit of a father figure connection. Um, and, and, you know, that's so great to hear. And uh, I think that's that's definitely something that probably is changing from maybe when I was a, a youngster, didn't really feel that coming through as a swimmer. So it's a really. Yeah, I think and I think it's really important as us as we grow older. Right. And we start coaching. We have to remember that. I think our society, whether it you know, you're in Sheffield, England or Sacramento, California. Look at they We all want to win. Winning is fun. And there is a premium placed on winning. But as you know, that doesn't always happen in life, right? And I, I talk about it a lot, you know, there is not this, this perfect 90 degree angle of life that goes up and into the stratosphere. Life is not like that and sport is not like that, right? We have these peaks and valleys and I always try to teach that the failure is really where we're learning from. The losses is what we learn from, right? Yeah. I had a team that was, you know, my, my kid, my son was, we were great. We were 17 and 0 and we lost the semifinal game. I mean, it's profoundly, you know, devastating, but that is the greatest gift. I mean, I think you learn from those valleys um, much more than you do from the, the successes, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I love that. I think that's such an important message. Um, and, and I think, you know, sticking there with, with the introduction, I mean, I mean, tell us about, you know, sort of getting into coaching initially then with your three sons. Uh, you know, you said that you couldn't wait really then to get involved. So, I mean, how, how, how was that? I mean, you know, my dad, four of us, he coached all four of us. I know we found that incredibly tough with the, uh, the commitments, you know, traveling, uh, all the volunteer work he was doing. So, I mean, how was that for you? And I guess yeah, I, I mean, it was, you know, very innocent, really. I mean, I think it was just um, uh, a need in the town for coaches. And you said, well, you know, I'll buddy up with my, my, my friend and his, our, our, our sons play together. They grew up together and let's just do it together. And it all started very innocent. And then I think, you know, as as a competitive soul and a, and a sport guy in their in their youth, you start to feed off of that. And you're like, oh, man, this is cool. You know, you relive what maybe um, you had in the in the past. And I think that for me was the really the initial spark, that thing that came into my brain. And then of course, you know, you add a little histrionics in there and you little acting and you little questioning the referee and it all starts to become, uh, you know, reliving that, that youth. And I think, I think that's the greatest part of uh, coaching. You know, I think your sons or daughters love when mom or dad coaches, right? I think yeah. they really do. They might not be uh, able to articulate at this time, certainly like I wasn't, and certainly like the kids that I coached, this unique set in the book. Um, they're not coming over and calling me all the time and saying that, but I know that 20 years from now, they're going to they're gonna have reverence for me and the other fathers who coached, and that's good enough. I know it's coming because I felt that way, right? And I felt uh, that kinship and that respect for the gentleman who taught me. And I, I, I went that next step. I took the time when I came home from college and university and I said to them, I went to their houses and I said, you know, hey, man, I just want to thank you. And, and they were like, what are you doing at my house? You know, <laughs> I, you came home from college and you came over to just tell me that. And I was like, yeah, man, I just. It had such a, a, a profound, and again, that was the respect. I just inherently knew. My mom didn't say, go over and, and talk to Mr. Dovey or Mr. Aiken or something like that. Yeah. Um, and I think most kids have that in them. I really do, uh, especially if you have an impact on them. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I've got to say, you can tell the uh, the enthusiasm and passion from your voice already with coaching, and it's absolutely wonderful for he- to to hear. And I'm going to save a couple of questions for that later on. But I think just just to finish, really, on to the introduction, Chris. I mean, you've got to tell us about uh, your book. Um, you know, I've briefly read over it. I've got to say, really, really enjoying it, and uh, still a lot of reading for me to do there. And I know we're probably going to talk about that a bit later on in this podcast day as well. But yeah, you wouldn't mind just telling us briefly about the book and what it's about. Yeah, the book is called Four Months in a Lifetime, and four months is really a, a basketball season uh, at our school. I had the unique um, ability, or the unique opportunity, I should say to coach the same boys from kindergarten all the way through eighth grade in the sport of basketball. I also coach them in flag football, which is non-contact American football over here. But really this uh, group of boys and the book centers upon how I fell in love with basketball as a child and then parallels uh, their eighth grade journey, which is my last year of coaching them and our our run at the title. Um, But they were a unique set of boys. They all were crazy about basketball. And in America, they have this thing called AAU, which is like a very competitive uh, division of basketball, wherever you are, whether it's, I think I believe it starts in like second or third grade. And we entered our, our team in these and we would play three, four games on a weekend. Um, in addition to the games we played during the week. And all these families bought into this because the kids are just passionate about it. So the book um, was inspired by this, this this nine-year journey with the same boys. Um, And uh, it just had such an unbelievable impact on my life and taught me so much about my own self, about my love for my son, about um, my love for the boys who essentially became part of our family. You know, you're driving up to these places at eight o'clock in the morning, load everyone in the car and let's go and roll out and start playing at 8.30 for a couple hours. It was a unique, uh, a unique uh, time of life, uh, those nine years. And I just thought it was the greatest time of my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm sad it was over, but I'm lucky because I got another little guy in sixth grade. So I'm, I'm living it again. And, you know, I tell that story in the book. I got two coaches and they're like, hey, Chris, man, you have three sons. I got one, you know, so they said, don't cry for me. You know, you got it easy. You get to relive it again. And, and it, you know, that's the fun of it. And they're totally right. You know, I, I, I get to now I'm going back. I'm doing it again. I start here in November. So I'm pumped. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, again, it's a matter of perspective. Right. And uh, everyone has the unique story. It's a special story. It's a small story of just a small private school. Uh, and there are 10 kids in my son's class. And I think eight of them were on our team. So real unique story. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I've got to say, I fully enjoyed reading it so far and uh, certainly recommend it to, uh, to the listeners, which we will give a shout out at the end. The Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. Uh, but I mean, yeah, that, that, that really brings us on, I guess, to, uh, you know, you coming on today, Chris. And it, it fascinates me so much that nine years with the same team, you know, I've always kind of in my coaching career, maybe we've been with a team for one or two years, the max three. And, you know, probably the luckiest I've ever been about thinking about just, you know, for nine years and not even, you know, as men as, as young boys working through the age groups right. and progress from, you know, little kids to, you know, young men. I, I just find that absolutely fascinating. And and the podcast today is all about just getting a bit of an inside perspective and journey of, of how that was like, uh, how that affected your coaching, you know, what you, changes to your coaching and everything there really. Go on. You know, I think, I think as a coach, right, you know better than anyone, typically you'll get that same grade or the same age group of boys or girls at, at every year they come in there. It's very unique. And that's why I wanted to write about it because again, I just came in as a father, not really a coach quote unquote. And I think I became more of a coach as I saw they, their need for more information and their desire to say, okay. And, you know, in basketball, we're pressing in third grade. And, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, the level of competition that they are, they're craving, you could tell that they needed that. And um, that's what I think was so great, but really, you know, being a dad and being able to step back and just watch them year after year grow up, you know, they, 
when they graduated eighth grade, they were what, 13, 14 years old. And I got them at five. Hmm. There is a massive, massive growth spurt in, in emotionally, physically, mentally, all these things. And that's what made it so unique. And I always credit the families because all the families truly bought into this. And, you know, they entrusted me and my co-coaches in, in mentoring their sons. And I thought it was just an unbelievable gift uh, to be able to do that. And I think my story is very unique. I don't think there's a lot of men that could do that. And I say all the time, that experience, those nine years of, of, you know, leaving work early and maybe giving up your weekend and going to the games, that had way more effect than any business deal I ever did. You know what I'm saying? And I, I mean that truly. I'm not trying to be flippant. Yeah. I, I love business. I'm, I'm very involved. I'm creating a lot of things. But that knowing that I had that space in time with those boys, it's just unparalleled in my life so far. Yeah, Fa fascinating, truly fascinating. And I mean, you know, you mentioned there that you, uh, I suppose, initially got involved as a father, taking your son to practice. And then you, you're looking at these, this group of boys and you can see that there's, there's the need there. There's a want for them to learn more. So tell us about those initial years. I mean, kindergarten. So, I mean, just for the, uh, the European uh, English you know, listeners, what's what age is that? I believe it's, we might call it nursery over here. Yeah. Like five, yeah. five years old, something like that. I think that's when they start. And you know, the, I, that's the hilarious part, right? Because you put them on a basketball court and some kids are running the wrong way. Some are picking their nose, you know, some are, off in the ether part of the, the court, you know, chasing spiders, you know, it's all over the place. And that's when it's really hilarious. Yeah. In our league, we did it. We had this thing where they had put an apparatus on the basket to actually lower the rim. So baskets could be made and to be, get a little more organized. Everyone put a colored armband on so that you knew that's the guy or girl you had to cover, right? <laughs> to try to get some some sort of organization in this whole thing. But but genuinely speaking, at that time, you know, we would have families in the stands and everyone would be laughing because kids would be going the wrong way, running off the court, you know, tucking the ball under their arm and just running. And you know, you try to make a little bit of sense of something there. Um, but they're really, uh, it was, it was quite interesting at that age, as you could imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, I can remember when I, uh, briefly got in and coached five-year-olds, uh, soccer and it was just so much chaos, right? <laughs> you know, they're all running to the ball. You've got some running off field and you think, right, right. organizing but... cats, I think they say, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I can remember the sort of time I really took from that was that there certainly was no expectations from the parents to win it was all like you mentioned there really happy time and such a fun and you know joyful environment I mean would that be you know experience you had would you say yeah but I, I think you're tapping into something because I mean I think as you grow right and as you grow with these children the expectations of the parents start to, to yeah. start to become and and yeah we talk about that in the book and that that's kind of sometimes where it goes a little bit awry in youth athletics, at least in America. I'm, I'm probably sure it's no different than in Europe as well, is that the expectations start to become um, more pronounced in terms of my son or daughter's playing time. Yes. You know, the strategy of the coach, does the coach really have the capacity? He's just a dad. Should I be having, you know, should I, you know, have professional coaches? Should I be paying for coaches? Should, you know, the kids start going to trainers, they start going to shooting specialists. I mean, it's, I, again, I don't know Europe, but in America, that has exploded over here. That is the one thing that is so different from me and, and maybe you growing up is we had an hour or two a week with a, at a practice and maybe one game. And that was a, our season was maybe eight weeks long. But now it's like, you know, like I talked about three games on the weekend, shooting coaches, um, agility coaches, train, you know, weightlifting. And for me, you know, again, I get it, you know, um, but I always say to whoever will listen, 
there's still a certain number of people that are playing professionally and in college and whatever, and that hasn't changed. Yeah. You know, once in a while, they'll add an expansion team and you might get another, uh, you know, uh, 10 players on the team. But you know what I'm saying? It, yeah, do, yeah. That's that balance that I think is really hard, even as a coach, is because the expectation of the parents become so much more heightened and so much more exacerbated. And you know better than anyone that the ex, the reality of what the, the parents are thinking is not always in line with the reality of the world, right? Yeah. Um, they think that Johnny is going to be the next Messi and really Johnny, you know, has no left foot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's yeah. like, that's, that's the ugliness, I think, that becomes uh, youth athletics. Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely i mean no different over here um yeah you'll always have parents with certain expectations and i suppose the word we use is uh, or i would use would be politics politics with parents yes. in their expectations so i mean yeah. as a coach then when you're starting with five-year-olds and you're sort of progressing when they become six seven eight nine ten how do you change as the coach how does your practice change where does that sort of winning suddenly become a bit more important and maybe less about the sort of fun and well, well I suppose the fun and enjoyment elements always a focus, but um, you know, where that sort of seriousness in practice maybe comes, I mean, how, how does that change? How, how do you manage that? Yeah. I, I don't know how you manage it and you have to listen, right? I think the yeah. greatest gift we have is our ears. I think a lot of us want to use our mouth a lot, but our ears are probably the greatest, greatest thing. And also is to treat each child uniquely because you have a team and uh, I, for me at a very early age, I saw their skill sets and I understood what they were at because they were playing so much with me. And you knew how certain people reacted under pressure. You knew what they were good at. And so me as a coach, and I'm, it's really no different in business, right? Yeah. You try to match people with their skill sets and where they will have the best chance to succeed, right? So I'm not putting a big man at my point guard, uh, the guy that has can't dribble, right? So it's very simple, but I, I think I knew that very early on. And I talk about, you know, at, in third grade, we were going up and playing really aggressive teams and we were really aggressive. But each one of my guys on that press, like my son played the front corner because he's a, a strict pragmatist that follows the rules. Then I had an insane long guy in the front who would talk trash to people and, and even in third grade, you know? And then I had a kid that was like, you know, uh, hunting a, 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 a baby antelope in the Serengeti on the left side because he was hyper aggressive and he would jump on anything, you know? So knowing their personalities, knowing where they are in their birth order. I mean, I, I dug, I really dug into the psychology of things. Are their parents married? Are their parents divorced? What are they getting at home? I think that really has a profound impact on a child and what they can bring to a team and a table on a daily basis. So I think that the, the perfect way to say it is to be that amateur psychologist and listen to their unique story, right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's definitely something I do myself, and maybe not many of us do do that. Actually, look into the background of these kids, and you know, have they grown up with a dad, for example? And you know, what what are they looking for? Do they see you maybe more as a sort of father figure, or are they just actually want to play sports and they don't really want to get to know you, right? right. And, and and that's fascinating. I mean, right. you know, it, it sounds like that this team and and this group of boys coming through, they all had the the same sort of reason for participating the same sort of mentality it sounds like they're all there to win you know for example when over here you go through the age groups and every year I've always found that you might lose one or two players because they're just there for the fun right and maybe this team's there to win or in contrast we've got two players that want to win and, and our club's maybe just about having fun and more that recreational sport so it sounds like it was pretty much the same group all the way through I mean is that right? Yeah. And, and you're exactly right. You, these kids, you have to have that, right. They have to all buy in and they have to love it. I think that was the uniqueness of it is that they genuinely in their hearts, in their guts, loved playing with each other, but they also loved the game of basketball. And I think that was 
the greatness of who they were. Um, you would have uh, periodically another player come in and out and there was, you have to watch the chemistry, right? Because it has to be, there's always that parent that says, oh, my child would love to play with you. And, and but you know that they weren't ready to play with us. <laughs> And they would come to a practice and they were like, yeah, maybe we'll play, we'll play over here this year. Give us a, a breather because it's a little less competitive. This was that kind of group and, and people knew it, you know, they could see that that was what they were craving. So I think you have to have that, that buy-in. We got it at a very young age. I think it comes later in a lot of children, but uh, for this group, it came very early and uh, they enjoyed it. And I think they fed off the coaches. You know, we, they love us being uh, a little bit crazy on the sidelines. I was a screamer. I've always been a screamer, a little bit polarizing maybe to other coaches or fans. But that was who I was. And I, I make no apologies for that. I believe that the children feed off of that kind of passion, right? They see if you're, they, they know you're a dad, granted. But if they see the passion and they see the strategy that you bring with that passion, that it's not just all smoke and mirrors, they buy in. They want that. They want a guy or woman, you know, to be all in. And I think children feed off of that. I really do. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. And I think sometimes that sort of, you know, shouting on the touchlines can often be seen as maybe like being aggressive and violent. But in, in fact, most of the time, it is just a passion getting through it. And, I, and, you know, I know over here, there's a lot of coaches that really debate that. And, you know, should we just be quiet on the touchlines and, and sort of let the players play the game and figure out? Right. Well, surely, you know, to me, it's always been, yeah, but the players need to know that, that you're here for them, right? And, you know, you're passionate about what you're doing. And, and I think that that really buys across in your story. I think so, because, you know, it's funny you say that because we I coach them in soccer and they one time a year, they had something in the States called it's Silent Saturday oh, and yeah. Silent Saturday was exactly an initiation based on what you were just talking about. They wanted everyone, fans, coaches, not to say a word, just let the kids play. I swear to God, I couldn't do it. I literally, I literally couldn't do it. And I had people come out and go, it's silent Saturday. I just couldn't do it. It's just like, to me, it didn't feel like the right game. Yeah. And I get the rationale for it, but I was always violating silent Saturday. So I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that. I, I think that the kids understand who you are. And as long as you're backing it up with strategy and a rationale for doing what you're doing, I, I believe uh, uh, screamers are okay. And, and you know, I had, I had a, a parent, I, a great story, Sam, is I had a parent say to me one time, you know, you're totally insane on the, on the sidelines. And they said, you know what I, I love about it, though, is because my son knows um, where he stands with you. And my son knows that you love him because you're insane and you're tough with him. But at the same time, you're going to say to him, hey, man, that was a great job today. And I like this, this, and this and articulated exactly what you liked about it and maybe articulated maybe the mistake, but we're going to flush that today and we're going to come back and be better tomorrow. So I like those kind of compliments. Those mean a lot to me. I'm not, uh, I'm not the dad that would play his son over just because he's my son. And unfortunately I tell the story in the book. I looked down at the end of the bench and saw my son looking at me like, you know, put me in dad, but I was never that dad. I just couldn't do that because I, I hated that as a child. And we've all seen that, right? You've seen it. I've seen it. Just because your dad's the coach, I get to be one in, in the starting five or the starting 10 or whatever it is. That I think is ugly. And we can't, we can't have that. The Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And, and what I find so interesting with, with that story just there was, you know, very similar to my dad, very um, passionate. And maybe sometimes that passion came out to certain parents thinking that, oh, you know, he's been really violent on the touchline and uh, maybe coming across quite aggressive. But but the kids loved it. Yeah. And I even remember sort of one parent even calling him Simon Mourinho after Jose Mourinho as if he was, you know, they sort of taking it so seriously into him. Right, right. Senior game. And it never actually was that. It was yeah. just the passion coming through. And you could tell the, the kids loved that. You know, they, they really I think so. That. And, and I, I think, think so. How did your how did your dad react to that? 
Oh, he he, he found it sort of sort of as criticism, and yeah. to him probably couldn't understand it. And to be fair, I couldn't understand it because you know that's what I, I was used to, and I, I love that. You know, because to me yeah. that's investment. Uh, you know, and I've seen coaches be really aggressive and, and the other way where you can see that there isn't any passion there and they are shouting for shouting's sake and being... Oh, definitely. And, and that's a huge difference that I think... Yeah, there's a huge difference. You sort of don't difference. understand, you know, it, it, sometimes it is the passion coming through. And I think that, you know, in that case with, with you know, that parent speaking to you there, I'm, I'm sure that if that kid didn't like that, you wouldn't go with that kid, you wouldn't act like that. And I think that's maybe where coaches don't always get that credit you know, you're doing that because that kid feeds off that, right? You know, he. he I, I think that. so. I think a hundred percent so, and I think that's a very interesting observation. That the thing I would love to ask you is because you were that kid, right? You were the kid with dad that coached. How did you feel when dad was coaching? Were were you were you proud? Were you um, you know, what, what did it make you feel? Were you, did you ever cringe or was it always like, no, I got it. That's dad coaching and I'm good now. I, I loved it. I mean, it, it's quite interesting with us because there's four of us, um, you know, I, I'm the oldest sort of came through first, um, stopped playing at 16 through injuries and then actually became a coach myself and coach my brothers. And there's always been that thing in our family where, you know, at home where, where dad and son were brothers, you know, we'll fight, we'll mess around, we'll have a laugh. But when we're coaching, it's serious. Yeah. You know, there's the coach player. Yeah, that's perfect. And it was the same with my dad, you know, there was never any special treatment, um, you know, to any of my brothers, you know, sometimes maybe even a, a bit the other way. Um, because he was maybe trying to, to be really biased, not be biased, sorry, and, and be really fair to everyone. Um, right. But the person, I, I always loved it. I, I always learned a lot of my dad, looked at him, um, you know, almost as a, as a role model, as a coach, right? Um, certainly so proud. That, I mean, I remember he, he ran, he, he won, sorry, a league and, and two cups with my brother's teams. Uh, never had that success myself. But but watching that, it was, it was amazing because, yeah. uh, you know, he'd created this team himself for my brothers, for me, and you sort of saw the development where initially kids came in and it was sort of similar to you, perhaps sort of coming in more sort of someone just to run it and then eventually progressing and learning as a coach and building this winning team, which are like under 14s level, uh, you know, participation reasons, as we say over here. But it was amazing to see. Yeah. Wow. You know, yeah. Kids loved it. They right. And, and the best the best thing I can tell you, Chris, is when you go to, uh, you know, we're, we're all at an age now, me and my brothers, where we, we go to nightclubs, we go out. Sometimes our dad will join us. And the best thing is, is when he gets a, a player, a former player who's now 21, oh. 22, 23, comes up to him. I've seen it on five occasions where he's gone up and said, best coach I've ever had. You know, <laughs> huge, huge respect I, and love there. And, and for me, it's yeah. amazing. You don't yeah. see that often. And, and, and that's where you can see, you know, just to me hearing what you're saying there, such a tight-knit group, but there's that respect there. There's that mm. love there for the coach. And, and I just find that so fascinating. Yeah, and it's, it's so great because, again, I think, you know, uh, I think we're almost trained uh, to, to try to succeed in business and to try to, you know, make the most money possible. And, that, and, and again, I, I don't know if it's my, my background in the funeral industry. I know how fleeting life is. Uh, I own a couple of funeral homes. And for those of you who don't know and, and wrote one of my first books about that, but um, the ability to see how short life is and how um, temporal life is, is really, really important. And I think having that impact on a child um, is, uh, is, is the greatest gift there is. I really do. Yeah. Now, I admire your dad for doing it. <laughs> it's, inc it's incredibly underrated in my opinion. And, and I think yeah, that's what's often forgot about in sport, particularly at the grassroots. We call it grassroots level, youth level. Um, you know, it, the enjoyment, the, the personal development, as you mentioned. You know, helping these these lads progress or, or girls progress, whatever coaching environment you're within. For me, that's the most important thing. Um, you know, and and winning's great. We love winning. Uh, yeah, but that, that aspect as well is, is just brilliant, and and that's what you know, really shines through with your story, Chris. And, yeah. you know, what I find so interesting with this this group of boys that you've coached and started at such a young age, it just, just seems such a tight-knitted group. I mean, yeah. that must have just been amazing coming through the years and, ju and just seeing that just consistently develop, I guess. And almost, I mean, I was watching uh, a Netflix documentary. I can't remember the basketball coach. I'll, I'll have to have a look after the message you on it. 
but he talks about the concept of uh, Ubuntu. Uh, but I don't know if you've seen the documentary and it's all about, you know, no selfishness. It's, it's all about we work for the team. Everything we do is for the team. And that's the sort of feel I, I really get from yourself and, and this group of boys you had. It's, tr- it's hard to buy into. It's hard for a lot of children to buy into because, you know, we are an ESPN society, right? We see the dunks. We see the 40-point guys getting all the accolades. And I think that the concept of team and the concept of playing your role is far more important once you get beyond sport and life because we're not all 40 point scores and we all don't yoke backwards, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's not who we will become. And the part that the role that you can play on a team is really part and parcel of the success you will have in life because you're going to work for a corporation or you're going to be your own boss. And all those I'm hoping that those that skill set that you learned at a young age being part of a team will carry on to you in life. I mean, again, I don't hold any aspirations to be this coach in high school or college or anything like that. I just want it to be part of my son's lives and play a role as their dad and maybe, you know, quote unquote coach along the way. That's what was important to me. But I saw that I was impacting these other boys and I, you could tell, right. You could tell, I, I'm not trying to be everyone's father. I don't want that. I want to let them know though, that when, when shit goes sideways, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there in life. I'm going to be there tomorrow. I'm going to be there 20 years from now. And that child is going to know that. And I think to a T, the boys on my team know that. They know that my door is always open. I have an extra bedroom. It will always be for you whenever you want to come. You need a meal. You need money. I'm going to be there. I want to be that guy in the community. And let's hope that let's hope that I can, you know, hold that and, and be true to that. Yeah, I love that. Very similar values to my dad's hat, how, you know, the, the team that we coached, the club that he's helped, that, that, that's what it was all about. Um, you know, if you need us, come and speak to us. Um, and, you know, some people really bought into that. Other parents even maybe were a bit jealous of that. You know, I don't know if you ever... ever for sure, like for sure, for sure, because it's it's a unique... It, 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 it truly is one of a kind. And, you know, I had divorced parents mothers coming up to me saying you know um my kid you know got in a fight with his dad and said he wants to live with you and i'm like oh yeah you know you know stuff like that or you know their child hugs me and never never has hugged the child the father right i mean there have been instances like that all along and you know this is a, 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 the tricky part right and i'm sure your dad ran across it. you have to be very careful because you have you have a lot of power and you know we've all heard stories of coaches abusing that and that, that's what gives coaching a bad name you have to draw a line and there is a line and again i i just never wanted to be everyone's father i wanted to be their coach and i still want to be their coach and i want to play that role but i know you have a mom and dad yeah. and it's very important to draw that distinction yes yeah yeah, yeah. you know you're not replacing the bubble that you're not trying to do that but you, you you're just there if you want them. no fascinating chris absolutely fascinating and i think what i'm i'm intrigued to hear really is as i suppose sort of going through the years again i think we've mentioned sound very tight-knit group so how was that did you have other players come through at different points you know did you when you got to age 11 age 12 did you have one or two kids come in and and how was that for them how, how did you manage that yeah. Sometimes yeah so you can't get anyone else in you know it's a great question because um we had a nucleus of probably about six or seven boys and there were other boys um that would come in for periods of a couple of years um, from whether they just heard about us or they saw us playing or parents came up to us and said something, Hey, you know, I love the way you're doing this. Can my son be part of it? And, you know, you know, it's, you're always like, huh, can the kid play, <laughs> you know, how does he fit? How would he fit in? Is he good enough? You know, so you, you kind of say, well, let me, you know, we're checking everyone out. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, that was very interesting. And it, it's hard Um, When you have this tight knit group for a young boy, especially, you know, if they're um, in our 
classes, it was probably, you know, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, those boys were coming in. And I do remember that there was, um, we had a couple kids that could really play and there was some jealousy that was developing, um, you know, he plays, you know, he's scoring too much. And I, I was like, what do you mean scoring too much? You know, we're winning. Who cares? I was never a stat guy because I would always preach fundamentals of the game. And if, if we can all score eight to 10 points, we'll never lose. Mm -hmm. You know, I want eight deep that can score eight to 10 points and Hey, I get 70, 80 points. I'm never going to lose a game at that level. Um, but yes, it was a unique, you have to really um, talk to them, communicate a lot and you have to praise, especially the new guy, right? Because this is a, a nucleus to come into. And how does this child, you know, boy, young boys are also a little bit like, oh man, how do I fit in here? Yeah. Um, but I credit our boys because almost to a, I would say to a T, they were very welcoming. And of course, when the other kid can play, they see that they're making the team better and that makes it a lot easier, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you wouldn't want to throw a kid with no skill set into a team of uh, a nucleus like that. So uh, that always helped. Yeah, no, absolutely fascinating. I mean, I find that that comment of he's scoring too much. Um, you know, it's, it's almost like over here sometimes you, you with, with really young kids, you, you get the parents talking about, you know, it has to be fair for everybody and everyone has to be contributing. And, and that's something I've always just found. Uh, not nonsensical really I mean how, how can you do that you know with, it's not just about that individual and and I think sometimes parents don't see that do they the sort of praise you're trying to give to the to the kid that's maybe not as talented and not contributing as much but you still see the value there right, right. You're, you're still trying to help that kid and, and that's not always seen and not always appreciated certainly yeah. experiences from what I've seen I mean I don't know yeah I mean is it the same in Europe where we've become a society that everyone gets a trophy I mean that that in America is very much you get the participation trophy and yeah, I, I, I I'm not that coach man I, I don't like that I don't want to give everyone a certificate or trophy at the end of the season for being on the team Team. I, I, I don't know what your child was like, but when I was a child, there were like two trophies, most valuable player and most improved. And you work your ass off to go get that. Right. And that, that was my, I only knew there were two and I wanted one of them. Right. So <laughs> uh, I believe that's, what's kind of missing, especially at the early ages to be the teaching of what they call grit, right. The grind. I want to, if I work harder, I'm going to get there. Right. And that for me is what I think sometimes is missing in youth athletics because we, we want to put them all in bubble wrap and, you know, go ahead, Jimmy, do your thing. And yeah, that, that, that's not what sports about, you know, not, not for me, at least. No, I mean, I, I 100% agree. And I think that's, you see it over here now with, with youth soccer and it's all uh, participation and, you know, and then suddenly that changes when they get to sort of the teenage years. Yeah. Well, you know, at the same time, if we're talking about life skills and personal development, you've got to go through them hard times of, right. You know, we've lost, we've, I've not won any trophy here because yeah. how else do you have that bit? Because you suddenly, right. you, know, you get to 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, you get a job. And it's not yeah. fair. Anyway. You have to right. Right. It's called resiliency, right? I mean, that's yeah. what we're trying to teach. We're trying to teach, you know, getting knocked down on the pitch or on the basketball court or wherever you are and getting your ass back up and fighting. That's the whole thing. That's what I want to teach that. I call it grit. And it's just like that ability to get up, know that you got kicked in the teeth and I got to come back. And I think especially over here in what we call suburbia, you know, outside, it's very comfortable and everyone's, you know, wants it, doesn't want to offend anyone. I want to, I want to reteach, you know, getting knocked down and getting up, right? That to me is what I like about uh, sport. The Sports Coaching Podcast with Sam Holmshaw. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I'm, I'm going to move it on, Chris, because I, I know we've only got you for so long. Uh, but before we sort of finish with the sort of final segment, what I really want to hear is, what did you learn throughout this first period of nine years? And I, and I know you said that, you know, you've got your younger son now and you're going to go through this journey again. So what are the, the big lessons that you learned, the, the things that changed in your coaching and, and what are you maybe going to do differently to what you did the first time now? I mean, I'm really fascinated to hear. Yeah, I think the, the most important I, I thing I, I've learned is um, to 
listen to the children, right? To listen to the boys or girls on the court and to connect with them in a way that goes beyond the court and the hope to teach them a life lesson or two along the way that, you know, uh, the game is just that it's a game, right? And it's going to be over in 60 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is. And you're going to go home and you're going to continue your life. And then there will be another game next week. And the ability for a child to, we call, again, we always make the motion. I, I have them look at me on the court when they make an error or a bad play. And I have them literally go like this, show me a flush. I want you to get it out of your mind and come back. Because if you don't flush it, and you're running back down the court thinking, ah, how did I miss that layup? You're going to get your ass beat on defense. And it's you're, you, now you've hurt the team twice, right? So we try to practice that a lot. And the ability, um, I think it's a great lesson for life, right? Because like I said, we all get knocked down. And if you can recover fast from those little uh, valleys, I think you're going to be a more successful human being. I really do. And, and that's ultimately what we're trying to teach is how do we become a kind, empathetic human being? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. Again, it, it's all back to the life skills for me. And it's, you know, I, I don't even think many coaches even, uh, you know, and I'm not criticizing coaches here, but I think a lot of in youth sport, like say it's coaches learning the job and, and maybe you don't always even think about those little things about flush out. You, you're so right. I've seen it so many times where the kid makes a mistake bad shot, bad pass, maybe concede a, a goal and it's on them for the rest of the game. And, right. and, and you've got to teach them, yeah, made a mistake, but that's all part of learning, kid. You've got to get yeah. on. Otherwise, yeah. you see them physically going home and hear you know, awful stories about them up all night, not being able to sleep, crying. And and sometimes I think that it, it, there's almost like an over-seriousness of, oh, the kid has to feel that. Yeah, feel it in the moment, reflect on it. But flushing out of the system, I mean, I mean, that's, that's brilliant for me. You know, I've, I've hardly really heard anything like that where you're getting them to look at you, right, that's gone, get on with the game. What are you going to do differently now? Yeah, and you need that. You need them to look at you because there's so many times a kid will just hear you and go like, you know, yeah. yeah. And I make them stop and I said, no, 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 no. Don't make me call a timeout. I don't want to waste the timeout. Look me in the eye and give me the motion. Because if they don't do that, they truly haven't made the connection and they understand because they've practiced it a thousand times. Dude, I don't care about the mistake. The mistakes mean you're trying, you're pushing yourself to the limit. That is good. That is what life is about. That is what I teach failure. I want more failure. I teach my sons, you know, my father failure in back in that generation was oh failure. Oh, don't, Oh, don't fail at any. Yeah. No, man, fail. That means you're, you're trying, you're going, you're going for it. If you're not failing, you're sitting in a room with your device and just hanging out doing nothing. Yeah. Fail all day long, brother. Love it. Love it. I mean, that's what life's about. And that's what I always say to my players, you know, you have to fail to learn because, because how are you going to learn, right? If you don't go through them bad times and them difficult experiences and when you've cost a team and you have to go through that. So, so brilliant, Chris, listen, um, Last, last question, you know, we have a lot of, uh, you know, first-time coaches, grassroots coaches, we call it, getting into the sport, listening for, you know, new ideas, new advice. Uh, so, I mean, what would be your tips for the, you know, the youth coaches listening to, you know, be, be, be good at their role, be great at their role, be the best coaches they can be? I mean, what would be your... I, I think it's, I think the most important thing is what you, it sounds like you already know, and it's that ability to uh, step away from the strategy of the game and have that 30,000 foot view over each child uniquely and see how they can play a role on the team, but really more importantly, understand their, a little bit of their backstory so that they can grow from this, this uh, team set to go to the next level. And whether it be a team or whether it be life that they're learning, right? And they're, they're, there has to be ultimately that enjoyment for the sport to help them to the next level. And I think we can teach that, but we also need to step away and look about how are they, how are they progressing as a human? And that's hard. That's hard because the word coach means I'm here to coach and we're here to do this strategy to get us to a win tomorrow or next week and, and make sure in the standings, we're at the top of the standings. Right. But uh, the perspective of the years maybe has given me that, uh, 
a little bit different uh, perspective. No, no, absolutely spot on. I think there's sometimes that perception, isn't there, of the coach has to do this and they have to come with the tactical board and the X and O's and all of that. And it's like, no, sometimes take a step back. What, what's right? You know, what what ethically looks right here to you or, or what's the right thing to do? And and I, and I think that's great advice. Uh, and Chris, obviously, you know, we mentioned at the beginning, we've got, got to ask you a bit more about your book. Uh, I mean, you know, where can people buy this uh, fantastic book? Like I say, I've, I've a couple of chapters in fully enjoying it already. Yeah, thank you. Um, they can buy it on Amazon anywhere, uh, on Kobo, all of the local book exchanges. They're on Europe, whether they're in America, they're all over the place. It's pretty easy now uh, to get these things, and I'm grateful for that. Um, so I hope people have an opportunity, if it interests them, to pick it up because it's a very uh, sweet story. And again, it's it's a lot about a father and son and a, and a father and a team, and I think people will enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, Ali, uh, I certainly recommend it. Uh, Chris, I've got to say, fantastic episode. Absolutely love talking to you. Uh, fascinating to hear your journey, your ideas, you know, how you've developed as a coach, how it's changed you. Uh, clearly such a passion there. And, you know, I, I bet your three lads are the, uh, the luckiest kids in the world for sure. Uh, but no, Chris, got to say, absolutely brilliant having you on today. I mean, just, just fascinating listening. I'm sure it's been for the coaches. So, I mean, where can people find you, follow you on Instagram, Twitter, maybe even get yeah. ask you some questions and some advice. I mean, what yeah, I'm on, definitely on Instagram at chrismeyerauthor.com. There's also uh, my author website, again, chrismeyerauthor.com, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, we're all over the place and um, I welcome any questions or advice or um, I will help any way I can. I, I, uh, I love being a, a dad coach. Um, I don't aspire to be a, a true coach, but uh, in being involved in your children's lives in any capacity, especially coaching, I think, you know, Sam can tell you the profound impact that it had on him. And I think uh, our children truly, truly love it. I, I really do. It's a, it's a great uh, a gift that you can give your child. Uh, absolutely. Well, Chris, listen, it just leaves me to say thank you so much for, uh, for joining me today fantastic podcast episode and uh, you know if you do want to watch Chris you definitely need to look at his passion on the YouTube channel uh, you'll see the passion coming from Chris uh, a couple of fist bumps but no listen Chris brilliant to connect great to uh, to hear your story and your thoughts and uh, fantastic episodes they enjoyed it great thank you for having me Sam I really appreciate it and best of luck to everything uh, congratulations on uh, the podcast it's uh, it's needed in our world I, I appreciate the kind words. Well, listen, Chris, thanks again. Uh, what wants to? Uh, so, th thanks again. Wants to you losing my words there. Uh, thanks again to all the listeners today. Uh, thanks for checking us out, contributing. If you like the podcast, please do leave us a review. Please do check out our YouTube channel. And uh, of course, any questions you've got, please send them in to me. I'll certainly get in touch for Chris or you know contact Chris yourself. But Chris, delighted to have you on. Thanks to the listeners for uh, tuning in once again, and we will see everyone next week.